looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so that he can give glory back to you. For you have given him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each one you have given him. And this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. My prayer is not for the world, but for those you have given me, because they belong to you. Now I am departing from the world and they are staying in this world, but I am coming to you. Holy Father, you have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name so that they will be united just as we are. I have given them your word and the world hates them because they do not belong to this world, just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. I have revealed you to them and I will continue to do so. Then your love for me will be in them and I will be in them. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word that is truth. Lord, I thank you that we can come on Easter Sunday and celebrate you. Celebrate your victory and your power and your sacrifice and your love. Lord, I pray that this morning we would understand what it means to be a Jesus follower. We would understand what it takes to traffic hope and that we would be the local church, the hope of the world. Lord, I pray that you would speak through me this morning and that hearts would be open to hear what you have to say. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. How awesome were the team. How good is that song? I didn't know about it before now. I'm too young, but I heard the oldies singing. (laughs) The hour has come. Everything, the miracles, the sermons, the persecution, the climax, the sum total of Jesus' life had led to this point. The hour has come. It was all pointing to the hour. And on Friday, we asked the question, why the hour? What was this hour? What was it all about? And we discovered eternal life. Jesus was saying that there is all the difference in the world between just existing and living. And that when we choose to believe in Jesus, we enter a new awareness of our reality and we can truly understand and experience love, acceptance and purpose. And today, I want to look at what happened in the hour, the power of the hour. On Friday, Jesus was crucified. He was tortured, whipped, stabbed, abandoned by his followers, and left hanging on a cross with nails through his hand and feet. 
On Friday, the cross was painted red with blood. On Friday, it seemed like hope was lost. And on Friday, it seemed like death had won. On Friday, Jesus was crushed. Even before he was crucified, Jesus said to his disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. But what do we know about Sunday? Why do we come and celebrate Sunday? Though he was crushed, he was not defeated. On Friday, we discovered love, but on Sunday, we encounter power. We look to Jesus as our example of purity, our example of leadership, our example of compassion and love and faith. But do we look to Jesus as our example of suffering also? What can we learn from the way that Jesus journeyed towards the cross? On Friday, we said, let's follow Jesus on his final journey. For by observing his, we may learn to make ours. That's what I want to explore today. How should we make our journey through life knowing what we know about Jesus? How should we make our journey through life knowing what we know about Jesus? The answer, we can't. We can't journey through life knowing what we know about Jesus. We can only journey through life with Jesus. It's a relationship. At the end of the hour has come prayer in John 17 verse 26, it said, I have revealed you to them and I will continue to do so. Then your love for me will be in them and I will be in them. I will be in them. Jesus said that he will be in us. So turn to the person next to you and say, I have the power. Jeez. Maybe this will help. Ephesians 1, 19 to 20 says, I also pray that you will understand. I'm praying this for you guys right now. The incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. This is the same mighty power, the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. So turn to the person next to you and say, you have the power. power. That's a little bit better. What power? Well, Romans 6 unpacks the power in a perfectly beautiful way. It says, since we have been united with him in his death, we we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin, for when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead, and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Two things happen in this scripture. Sin has no power and death has no power. This morning, if you leave with anything, I hope that you would leave with this. Sin has no power. Death has no power. You have the power in Christ Jesus. Jesus transformed the cross from a symbol of sin and evil into a symbol of love by his sacrifice and by his power. 
And the tomb was a symbol too. The tomb had represented death. But Jesus transformed the symbol of the tomb from a symbol of death to a symbol of life by his power. Though he was crushed, he was not defeated. Have we got something to be excited about this morning? Interlude so I can drink some water. Actually, he had to be crushed. He had to be crushed in order for his love to invade our hearts, for his power to be revealed. And I always think of grapes when I think of this, because grapes are nice, but wine has the power to change you. Kim Godelman told me anyway. Every time I message Kim, I'll be like, hey, mate, awesome singing on Sunday. And he doesn't reply like prayer hands, praise hands, or love heart. He just replies wine glasses. Pray for him. (laughs) But grapes, when they are crushed, and when they are separated from their skin and hidden in a barrel like a tomb, have power. Like a grape, you can taste good. You can look good. You can be successful. And like numbers in a bank, though, they don't have power until they are transferred, until the numbers are crunched. I've got another one for you. It's a real powerful one. (laughs) Kids are cute, but when we crush them with discipline (laughs) and chores, they become powerful. I worked it out. Not my piper. She's too cute for me to crush with discipline and chores. But I wonder, was I not cute enough as a child? (laughs) I remember doing chores, and I probably didn't realize it then, but I recognize it now. It was a type of crushing. It was slave labor. (laughs) How many people know what I'm talking about? I remember spending hours cleaning Dad's car. Rinse, wash, rinse, wash to be paid 50 cents, maybe a dollar, dollar 50 if I cleaned the inside as well. And don't argue inflation with me because I looked it up. In 1998, a dollar would only equate to a dollar 68 today. So it doesn't matter which way you spin it, it's crushing. Kids are cute, but when we crush them with discipline and chores, they become powerful. Please don't take that one away from today. It's a lesson mum and dad taught me anyway. I thought it was about character building, but I'm learning different. Grapes are nice, but wine affects you. When they are crushed and separated from their skin and hidden in a barrel like a tomb, they become powerful when they are released. And look at what happened to Jesus after his death. I think this is a powerful image in John 19, verse 38. Afterward, Joseph of Arimathea who had been a secret disciple of Jesus. That's not an opportunity for you all to claim that you are secret disciples of Jesus. Because he feared the Jewish leaders, asked Pilate for permission to take down Jesus' body. When Pilate gave permission, Joseph came and took the body away. With him came Nicodemus, the man who had come to Jesus at night. He brought about 75 pounds of perfumed ointment made from myrrh and aloes. Following Jewish burial custom, They wrapped Jesus' body with spices in long sheets of linen cloth. 
Now, as we jump forward to chapter 20 to when Mary and some of the disciples discover Jesus, look what happens. Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one who Jesus loved. She said, they have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. Peter and the other disciples started out for the tomb. They were both running, but the other disciple outrun Peter, outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He stooped and looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside, and he also noticed the linen wrappings lying there, while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. Why did Jesus take the time to fold his burial cloths? Truthfully, I don't know. I know that some people have read into this and looked at Jewish culture and how they would wrap or fold a napkin on the table so that the servant would know that the master is still to return. But I don't know what happened here. I only know that it was not without intention. I just know that what had once wrapped Jesus in death had been left in the tomb. Each time Jesus left behind something, on the cross it was his blood that was shed for us. In the tomb it was the burial cloth. And when I look at scripture, the life of Jesus, the writings of Paul, the Old Testament sacrifices and, and altars, I can't help but recognize that what the enemy would use to harm us, God would use for good. I can't help but realize that although God may not have caused the crushing, he won't waste it. And I can't help but draw conclusions between what Jesus had left at the cross and in the tomb to how his word calls us to die to ourselves, to lay off the things that so easily drag us down. Without the tomb, there isn't a resurrection. And what was meant to be the end was only a beginning, like a seed. This is big. In fact, the Bible even words it just like that. In 1 Corinthians 15, it is the same way with the resurrection of the dead. Our earthly bodies are planted in the ground when we die, but they will be raised to live forever. Our bodies are buried in brokenness, but they will be raised in glory. They are buried in weakness, but they will be raised in strength. As the band come up and join me, I'm aware that some of you have been crushed. Some of you are being crushed right now. Some of you have come this morning and maybe it was a large-ditch effort out of desperation. Some of you have come here this morning and you're being a Christian for a long time. Maybe you've come to Eastlake for a long time and you came because it's Easter, but you're not sure why you keep coming back. Because the pain is so deep. The grief is so real. The hurt can still be felt. The anger is still there. And I wish I could take it away. I wish it didn't have to be this way. I know some of you are even thinking, I just want to quit. I can't do this anymore. 
I want to say to you this morning that sin has no power. Death has no power. Death has lost its sting. You have the power in Christ Jesus. His power is made perfect in your weakness. Nothing is impossible in Christ Jesus. So my prayer this morning is that that thing that has been crushing you would be taken away. But if it is not, then my prayer is that the impossibility of you lasting any longer under that pressure, that pain, that grief, that hurt, that in that, Jesus would show up and you would be strengthened to a point that your story becomes a testimony, a testimony that when you share with other people who are going through what you might be going through, that they would know that they can run the race that they don't have to quit because there is a man named Jesus who died on the cross and was rose again from the grave. And by that same power in us, we can continue to walk the walk of faith. Psalm 34 verse 18 says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. If you're feeling crushed this morning, that's your promise. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. Christ endured the cross for the hope set before Him. And the cross is only a symbol because Jesus didn't stay there. Jesus didn't stay in the crushing and we aren't meant to either. So I want to ask the question this morning, what will you leave in the tomb today? What thing like Jesus' burial cloth is wrapping you up, is choking you, is somehow defining you, is crushing you? It might be a habit. It might be a circumstance. It might be unforgiveness. It might be a trauma that just still seems to leave its mark on you. It might be something that someone has said to you that hurt. And they've said it so many times that you've begun to believe it. Sin has no power. Death has no power. You have the power in Christ Jesus. What will you leave in the tomb today? Jesus said, when he said, the hour has come to give glory back to God. And so I wonder if maybe that thing is anything that's replaced his glory in your life. When we choose to believe in Jesus, there is power in you. Sin has no power. Death has no power. You have the power in Christ Jesus. Would you stand with me this morning? Last night, I was reading through the message. And Easter is kind of a symbolic moment in the church. The cross, the tomb. His resurrection. And so I called my mum and my mother-in-law. I said, have you got any spare sheets? Can you cut them up for me? And we've prepared little buckets down here at the front with a torn piece of cloth in them. And I would love us this morning to consider what that thing might be in us. That thing that might once have wrapped us in death, that might once have identified us. Pick up a cloth, label it in your heart, 
and drop it at the altar. Leave it behind as you leave this morning because sin has no power, death has no power and that thing that might once have identified you doesn't have to any longer because Jesus said it is finished on the cross and he left his spirit with us. He is alive and living and he is ready to work within you. So as we worship, I'd love us to take that opportunity. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that as people come forward and take a step of courage and identify the thing that might be slowing them down, holding them back, still causing them pain. Lord, you didn't call us to live that way. You said that you would make our burden light, our yoke easy. And so we hand over to you. We cast off anxiety and depression for we were not given a spirit of fear, of timidity, but of sound mind, of power and of love. Work in our hearts this morning. Help us, Lord, to walk out of here different to how we walked in because of your power. In Jesus' name.